The off-season, the Marlins off-season anyway, it starts now or very soon. In my opinion, 1st of February onwards is when you can expect the Marlins to start making some serious moves. Serious, in inverted commas, perhaps on that one. But it could be time for some one-year free agent deals. Are the Marlins going to sign any major league free agents? Let's talk about Adalberto Mondesi. Sounds more like a minor league free agent to me. Time to get into. This is Locked on Marlins. You are Locked on Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast. I am your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, of course, hit subscribe. It's your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Uh, there is a YouTube channel as well, guys. Hit subscribe over there too. That is also called Locked On Marlins. Make sure you join me in the comments too. Always appreciated. This course is always spicy in the YouTube comments. Uh, this episode is sponsored by our good friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. Boy, oh boy, the script has been adjusted. If, you're, if your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Boy, oh boy, we got that pumped. And where are we getting started? Well, it's Tuesday, not Monday. It doesn't matter. The UK goat is in the house. Sean Barrett, how are we doing, brother? Doing well, Pete. January seems to be dragging on, doesn't it? We need to get to February because that's when the moves will happen, I think. Uh, we've I seen some know. moves happen over the last couple of days and today specifically, mm. which we're going to get into. So, yeah, yeah, things seem to be moving, especially where the Marlins are probably looking to add. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. We're not too far mm. away from actually seeing some action. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? A bit of action for the Marlins. I mean, to be honest with you, there's a little bit of me now that wants them to just not sign any free agent in Major League One. <laughs> like, I, I don't know the last time that happened. It's probably been quite a few years. Um, someone will know the answer to that. But I reckon in the last 10 years, it's maybe only happened like once or twice, like a handful. Like it feels like quite an unfamiliar situation. So part of me just wants the Marlins to do that now. But yeah, to your point, Sean, and really where the graphics are headed here, if you are watching, you've got the graphics to help. Um my sense is that the offseason for the Marlins particularly is about to kick into gear. They've been playing a waiting game, in my opinion, because they weren't targeting the big free agents, the big price tag free agents, the multi-year guys. And so from a free agent perspective, you've got to wait to see who's remaining. And at the top of the show, what I'm going to call out here, Sean, is when you look at who's still available, there's some impact players that are still available. Like I know Otani's gone, <laughs> but... There's still some players I think could be difference makers for the Marlins in, um, you know, be it platoon roles or whatever it might be, which we expect maybe them to lean more heavily into anyway. So all is not lost this offseason. The offseason is long, really long, and it feels really long because they've done nothing. But, yeah, I'm I'm expecting activity. Um, Craig Mish equally, Sean, has been talking about this notion that there's like a trade. It feels like there's been this trade agreed in principle in some ways, but hasn't yet dropped. And so I don't know what Domino is going to go first. What are you expecting? A trade to drop first or for them to actually sign a major league free agent? 
I think realistically, the the free agent is probably more likely just because that's the easier deal to get done. And I think you're right. There are still some impact free agents out there, guys that are specifically there that can replace or come close to replacing what Soler did last year for the Marlins. Mm. One of them actually could be Soler himself. He's still um, available. He is still available. <laughs> and I think there's there's at least three guys on the free agency market that are still very interesting. And yeah, it is a case of these these roles are now starting to get filled up. Toronto filled up their spot today. Yeah. Um, leaving Belt, who previously was there, without a, an opportunity there. So there are still guys out there in the free agency market that are going to be interested that the Marlins couldn't be the last on the, you know, they'll wait for the last one because they, they therefore get the best deal out of that situation. Um, it's it's not a case where we're looking at guys that are, are underwhelming. Um, I think you, mm. you, you've used the phrase a Yuli contract a few times. Um, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about, which is a positive. I think it is a case of yeah. we've all been waiting, waiting, waiting for something to happen and concerned that, Maybe when they finally do push that button, that what's left is is unappealing. But I don't think mm. that's quite the case. I don't um, believe so. There's still hope. There's still hope. There's talent available. Let's think about positionally. Um, you know, let's just try to piece things together here. Assuming there's no trades from an offensive perspective, i.e., they don't trade away anyone right now that's projected to be in the lineup. Like, where do we realistically see them prioritizing? You know, a free, you know, a Yuli plus, you know, a, a free agent deal, a one year deal. What spots are up for grabs? We've mentioned Solaire, we've mentioned the DH spot. So we assume they're looking for a, you know, a, an impact stick in some sort of way. Beyond that, though, what else are you seeing that they might look to address here? Or is that it? Yeah, I think it is a case of with the free agent now, the guys left on the market, they're all DH first base guys. Turner mm-hmm. today was probably the last guy that had eligibility or the ability to play elsewhere at third, but he'll still play the majority of time at DH. Uh, the the remaining free agent third baseman on on the on the market, they are all going to be uh, minor league invites um, at best. I don't see a major league contract out there because that's probably where the Marlins should be looking at third base. Because Berger, we we watched him. Play last year, and he didn't play bad, badly at third base, but mm. obviously it wasn't wasn't elite third base. He's a bigger guy; he's going to need some TH spots. So yeah. a guy that could fill in that third base, like Turner, would have been pretty ideal. Obviously, the Marlins were in on him last year as well. Mm. Um, but right now, yes, yeah, first base TH guys left as far as an impact bat, and yeah, yeah anywhere else, whether that's going to be second base or shortstop, specifically shortstop, I think that will be what where the miners feel that role will be through that trade that you talked mm-hmm. about. Feels like it. Feel, I feel like we've got a pretty decent handle now on the blueprint uh, and the menu or the approach to filling these these needs, really. Like, there's some sticks out there. And, and listen, there's an obvious one right in front of us in that, like, you look at Gary Cooper, for example. Like, perfect kind of stick. You know what you're getting with Coop. And... Listen, Coop's an asset. Like, we can't get away from that. Coop is is an asset. Okay, you know, maybe his role slightly changes than maybe what he's, you know, experienced in the past. But I've got no qualms with Gary Cooper returning back to the Marlins. Maybe that ship sailed and maybe he doesn't want to return. You know, it takes two to tango. But, you know, we're even in this situation now where you've got a guy like Gary Cooper that 
certainly can be an above average stick that no one's even talking about at this point. And this is the time for the fish. Like they can now scoop these guys up because their desperation mode maybe kicks in. So, you know, Garrett Cooper back to the Marlins, Sean. Uh, I mean, I know you'd be excited about that, but just on him briefly, could we, could you see that eventuality happening or is maybe that ship sailed? I think it depends on how the rest of the market goes, doesn't it? Uh, the three, We spoke about the three guys, so let's just name them out. That's yeah. Bell, Soler, and J.D. Martinez. Those are probably the, the top three guys on that list. Mm-hmm. Coop probably is fourth on that list, um, but with the money that he'd be owing, I think you're talking one year, six million, rather than one year, 10 to 12 for the other yeah. three yeah. guys. So the Marlins can do it on the cheap, which... Makes me automatically feel some mining already. But <laughs> if those three, if the market is isn't there for all three of those guys, I've, I could see the miners go for that. I think Belt for me is a concern because he's he's a right versus righty only. He can't hit lefties, and as we know, the Marlins have had a history of rolling out teams that simply can't hit lefties. And Coop can, to a certain degree, yep. hit lefties. So mm-hmm. I would actually put him above Belt simply because he can hit lefties, and he would be a little bit cheaper. So, yeah, I've not yet completely given up on Kook as a Marlin, and <laughs> frankly, I won't until he signs elsewhere. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't. And, um, you know, maybe this is going to be the off-season for uh, for old friends, an off-season of old friends where you end up, you know, we'll talk about Soler after the break. I want to talk about Adalberto Mondesi specifically, but I want to talk about Soler, his market, Um but, you know, it could be Coop and Soler back to the fish. Why not? But you've got Coop and Soler back, plus Bell still there too, plus Burger's now there too. Like, you know, it it feels a stronger lineup straight away, immediately, and a stronger bench, and, you know, we'll see how it goes. The, the thing is with Coop, when I think about it, if you were to say to me now, Pete, who would you prefer on opening day on your 26-man roster? Would you prefer... Garrett Cooper, or would you prefer Troy Johnston? If that was the question was posed to me, I'd take Coop, no doubt about it. Not even a question. I'd be like, Garrett Cooper all day. Granted, there's probably a at least three to four million variance in the in the number you have to pay, but you take Cooper all day. I know you would, Sean. I'm not even going to ask you, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> So let's get into the ad. We want to talk about Adalberto Mondesi. I didn't think of you talking about Mondesi, but we have to talk about him because he's kind of been loosely very loosely reported that maybe the Marlins are, are in on him. Uh, before we do that, though, time to let you know about our good friends. And, well, this is some new friends. Speaking about old friends, but new friends, too. Uh, this is our good friends at Factor Meals. So get started on your resolutions with Factor. So you're ready for the new year, but Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores. Too expensive prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons, you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your resolutions. Yes, sir. So, Here's what you got to do, and it's pretty simple. You head to factormeals.com slash 
Locked on MLB 50 and use that code locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. That's the code locked on MLB 50 at factormeals.com slash locked on MLB 50 to get 50% off. A lot of 50s in there. Nevertheless, factor meals. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt and the UK goat, Sean Barrett. And we are talking short stops now. Uh, we've talked about that we expect maybe that a shortstop, a long-term shortstop, may be filled via a trade, likely a pitcher going out of the organization and a younger controllable shortstop with upside coming into the organization. So that's the expectation. Whether it happens, we'll wait to see. If it doesn't happen, Skip Schumacher speaking with the Marlins radio guys last week, actually, was asked around this question, what's going to happen to shortstop? Where are you at? I feel comfortable with Birdie effectively what Skip was calling out. Birdie's leaving the situation at that point. Birdie took over as the, the full-time shortstop at the back end of the season. We shouldn't forget that. Joey Wendell was re relegated to effectively cheerleader duties. Did it well, by the way. So Skip, comfortable with Birdie at this point. We'll wait to see how this market plays out. What they may be targeting here, Sean, is some depth. Some additional depth. I mean, they've already got tons of guys on on the 40-man, seemingly. But nevertheless, the Marlins connected with Alberto Mondesi. Um, if you play fantasy baseball, you may believe that Alberto Mondesi is a really good baseball player. You may have just drafted him extremely highly in previous fantasy drafts. Unfortunately, I don't think the fantasy and real life fully connect. And at this point, we're expecting maybe a minor league deal for Mondesi. But Sean, at this point, the Marlins have nothing to lose here. It's a buy-low candidate. We spoke about Mancini last week. It feels kind of in a similar category with the less proven track record maybe with Mondesi. Yeah, it is a case of he was, at one point, quite an elite young player um, mm. that had a lot of promise. The speed, obviously, is is his main tool. Um, mm. Actually had some pop for a shortstop. Um, his biggest issue um, for me beyond the high strikeout and low walk rates that have plagued his whole career, is the fact that he makes Cooper look like Kyle Ripken Jr. The guy just can't stay on the, on the field. Um, so, yeah, at this point, the Marlins would get him for a bucket of balls. It would be a minor league uh, deal for sure. Mm. I'm, I'm not sure how interested I am personally in, in it, simply because he just looks like a, a lesser Bertie to me. There are other guys in the team. Um, if you bring him in at spring, he's cost any at bats he has is costing another guy that wants to show what he can do at bats. Yeah, uh, but True. obviously, the, when you when you're talking about speed and power from a shortstop, and he can play shortstop, he's not a guy at shortstop that can't play. He's he's okay. He can handle the role well enough. Definitely. Um, so it's intriguing because of you can shoot for that ceiling, but he's got a, a very low floor as well. So I can see why his name has been linked to the Marlins, but I don't personally see it as a very interesting um, proposition. Yeah, I think you summarized it perfectly, mate. Like there was some pop in that profile. And there was obviously a lot of stolen bases. There's been a lot of injury concerns too with Mondesi. Um, you know, is the type of guy you just you get on a minor league deal and just see what happens. And, you know, if there's anything in the tank, great. The interesting thing for me, though, just more broadly, and it's what I mentioned uh, in advance of this segment, really, is like 
the Marlins already seemingly have tons of guys that are, have profiled or have been historically shortstops. And one guy I would say that I'm not hearing anything about had a really disappointing year last year. And frankly, I think his, his time with this organization looks to be maybe numbered is Jordan Groshans acquired in the uh, the Anthony Bass deal uh, with Zach Pop, former top prospect. But listen, I haven't heard a peep about Jordan Groshans for some time. For me, I look at like if I'm looking at the 40 man, I'm thinking, you know, who could be an impact player? I, I'm struggling to see anything close resembling to that for Jordan Groshans. And so, you know, there's going to be some deals. There's going to be some moves. I think there's going to be some activity. My gut feel is one of the first, if there has to be a, an offensive dude that DFA'd, I, I'm seeing a situation where Groshans could be DFA'd here or just moved, you know, in a, in a minor trade elsewhere. But what about you on Groshans, mate? Do you see him differently or is uh, you see him the same as me? No, no, it's disappointing. It's, it's a similar case to Amaya, really. Not really heard much about him either. But Groshans no. came over originally sort of as maybe a third baseman. Mm. Uh, but without that power profile, obviously middle infield would probably be better for him. And then he just, just had a really bad 2023, didn't he? He didn't yeah. really do much. Oh. The average wasn't there. The, the walks were good and the, the Ks were good, but you know, at a certain point you've got to hit the ball as well. So it's, <laughs> I, think it's, I think he's still young enough that the Marlins won't give up on him because mm -hmm. I don't think you can actually physically get anything for him. Um, and I don't think no. they do. I, I hope they wouldn't TFA him, but if they do, then that really would be um, an indication of, of how little that they expect him to make, be able to make a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm I'm just concerned. Uh, I'm concerned about Groshans. I'm concerned about his role. I'm concerned about this 40 man spot. I can just see like he could be squeezed off, maybe. We'll see. Because, I I mean, the Marlins are carrying so many arms. Like, you look at the 40-man, it's, like, so heavily weighted to pitchers, it seems, because they just scooped up all these, you know, relievers from waivers and whatever it might be. But, yeah, I think it's a really interesting one for us to, to think about. Um, let's, let's do the final ad of the day, um, which, of course, and as usual in many ways, um, is our good friends over at FanDuel. Let's do that. And then after the break, we're going to come back and we're going to look a little bit more in detail about um, some one-year deal candidates, some some Yuli pluses. Um, and equally, what's the Lairs market look like? Particularly, we'll start there with the DH spot and how this Justin Turner deal, plus the Hoskins deal and the Jock Peterson deals all kind of feed into Jorge Soler. But before we do that, this episode, as I mentioned, is brought to you by good friends over at FanDuel. Yes, sir. And guys... Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. What a what an intro line. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I'm going to be hitting up the parlays like you will not believe. You are going to see parlays all over the show. No doubt about it. Um, so FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. By the way, I've just remembered, Usher's doing the halftime show as well, right? So we got some Usher action as well. I'm going to be absolutely pumped for that. Um, not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also bets, also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so, so much more. 
New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Super easy, super exciting deal. $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, welcome back. Locked on Marlins with me, Peter Pratt, and UK GOAT, Sean Barrett. Final segment, we're looking at one-year deals, particularly starting with the DH market. Justin Turner signs today with the Blue Jays. Another potential landing spot for Jorge Soler, filled. And some more indication, Sean, in terms of the market and the value being placed on some of these guys and the contracts that are being signed. Hoskins is off the board. Two-year deal for Hoskins. Jock Peterson off the board, one with an option. Justin Turner off the board. You know, spots are filling up here. Celeste still not signed. And we're starting to get to a point where this is getting to like the 13 to 15 million a year range um, for like, you know, to your point, Soler, I think, is right at the upper echelons here. J.D. Martinez close. Have to throw in Adam Duvall into this mix too, by the way. Like, I'm not sure what Duvy's seeking. But, you know, what? where's your sense here? Like, can we realistically see Soler getting to a point where he'll say, do you know what? One year, 15 million with the Marlins. Let's go. Like, I, I thought a while ago, this is dead. Primarily because I thought he would definitely sign a two-year guaranteed deal. But the market is telling me something different now. Like, the market's starting to tell me this is going to be like a one-year deal for Soler. And all of a sudden, it brings the Marlins back alive, in my opinion. What about you? Yeah, as we were just going into this, the same one, I was looking at Adam Duvall and thinking about old names coming back mm-hmm. to the Marlins. He's still out there. And I think yeah. it is a case of, yeah, going into the into the winter, we were expecting Soler to get two-year guaranteed deal. But as mm-hmm. we see right now, there are more guys than there are positions, uh, mm-hmm. especially at that, that number. So 115, I think that's the high end now. I think you could be looking closer to what we're seeing guys signing for, 112. And interestingly wow. to me is all these guys that are signing right now and, and who are left to sign, they're all going to be one-year guys. So they're all going to be going into next winter looking to try and get another contract. So they're all going to be motivated. And we've, seen, we've seen Soleil when he's on a prove-it deal uh, year. He, mm-hmm. he comes alive. So this is really interesting. Not only are you getting him at a cost that is very beneficial, You've got mm. a hungry Solaire as well. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of excitement right now for the guys that are left because they're all for, if there's four guys for three roles, then it is a case of who's willing to to take the lowest number. Who's going to sign for obviously the Miles are going to have the last guy, but if they've got two or three <laughs> guys to choose from, then you know the wall is their oyster. What's up, what's up with Solaire? Like I'm trying to work this out. Are we overvaluing him? Like, what's what's going to happen with his market in general? I think there's some inconsistency with his performances. If you look at the years, first couple of years with the Marlins, he wasn't exactly you know, lighting it on fire. True. I think anytime you're looking, I think it's the way that the league is now moving. They're, they're moving away from paying older guys a lot of money and yeah. for a lot of years because we see yeah. them bite them at the back end of these tips. Obviously, we're only talking about one or two year deals, but still. Why sign a guy for a two-year deal when you've got four or five guys snapping your hand up for a one-year deal? 
Mm. Um, I think it could be that Soler's the best guy left on the market, and because of that, teams that don't want to go to that two-year, seventeen million or whatever it is, and that's why they're signing the, the lesser guys. But for me, yeah. it's a case of Soler's market is starting to shrink. His expectations for a second guaranteed year mm. is going to start to diminish. Yeah, I'm trying to work out like what are the what are the possible landing spots remaining for Jorge Soler? Like, I mean, you know, most clubs are happy to have a power stick, right? And he literally is a power impact stick. And so in many ways, every club should consider it. But you know, whether there's a fit on the roster and you know, whatever else they're doing, I, I get it. But like those obvious landing spots are the ones that have been filled recently. Like the Blue Jays was definitely one that's that was being mooted. Um, the Diamondbacks for sure was one. Like a lot of people were saying Diamondbacks and Soler. Um, you know, that that seemed to be an obvious fit. The the Brew crew were definitely like in the hunt as well for something in that space. So I'm not sure how big his market, but what we know for Soler is he's pretty much just been wearing Marlins gear all off season. He's hanging around the area. You know, he didn't get the qualifying offer, so he didn't have a decision to make at that point. Looking back on it, Sean, I do wonder, like, a 20 million qualifying offer for Soler to stay with the Marlins, maybe that's why he didn't get the offer because maybe they thought he would have taken it. And maybe the Marlins have nickel and dime, not nickel and dime, but they played the game. Maybe they'll win. Peter Bendix, he's a smart dude. Yeah, maybe um, a guy that's worked in baseball his whole life, worked his way up to the top, knows a little bit about baseball more than more so than me and you, maybe, Pete. Um <laughs> One other team I'd add to that list is the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are still looking for a, a cheap power bat. Um, so that that would be one guy that, uh, or at least one team I would expect to staple up one of these guys, whether that is uh, Soler or whether that's um, Duvall. I think, you know, it, there are there there other teams still out there, but yeah, definitely that market is shrinking. Um, and I think... Yeah, the Marlins may have actually done something right for once. Yeah, it looks like they've, you know, their approach has been let's not take unnecessary risks. And maybe that was the view was like if, if you thought about it logically, you know, similar guys, similar profiles, limited number of landing spots. The Marlins have like taken a, you know, uh, a, a tactical risk here and thought we'll just sit on it because we know there's going to be at the back end. Duval, Martinez, Soler. You know, I know Cody Bellinger's out, and we haven't spoken about Bellinger, but Bellinger's a different situation. But those three, maybe, maybe it gets to a point where Bellinger ends up taking a one-year deal. I mean, we haven't spoken about Bellinger at all. Um, but those three, you look at it and you think, if one of those three are left, that's that's still an impact stick. And you know, they end up not having to commit the second year, the third year, which when we strip it all away, Sean, I think this is like the main takeaway. It isn't that the Marlins don't want to sign free agents. They do want to sign free agents, but they're not willing because they've been burned before to get these multi-year commitments. That's what they're looking to avoid, rightly so. And so actually, you know, as the off-season's ticked along and at this juncture now, as we approach Feb, you know, it, it starts to become clearer, like, where their heads have been at. And really, it would just be nice. Peter Bendix just said, listen, guys, you can log off Twitter until Feb. Come Feb, we're going to accelerate. It's going to be fun. Make sure you join us for the ride. So, you know, but it, it feels like that's been their approach all along because they've known there's always going to be talent at the back end that they can add 
without the multi-year commitment, right? Yeah, exactly. Free, uh, paying in free agencies is the most inefficient way to build a baseball team. The Marlins simply don't have or aren't willing to spend the money to build a competitive team in free agency money. They've got to get there through uh, the guys that are on the minimum, signing guys like they did with Sandy, you know, a pre-free agency contract, uh, buying out the RPs, doing value. So, yeah, paying – if they if they gave him Soler the qualifying offer and he took it at 20-ish mil or whatever it is, you're, you're paying for – or you're expecting two-and-a-half war back um, to get value with that money. Whereas if you sign him for 12, you're only expecting about one and a half, which is probably bang on what he'll actually deliver to you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the Marlins, it's not a case where they're completely, completely brassic. There's some money to spend. Mm. Uh, that's been the report in from, from Mish throughout the winter. It's just a case of we've got so little of it to spend, we need to make sure that we're getting bang for our buck. Final one, then we'll get out of here. There's a few names. See how the market shifts the next couple of days, couple of weeks. Um, who would you prefer? I know we've talked about Soler a lot. He's a bit of a known entity, but there's other guys out there. Who would be your preference if the Marlins were to sign one guy to kind of slot into that DH spot? I think Soler is still number one on my list simply because of that comfort level. He knows the ball club. He knows the, the location. There's no settling in. If you go and get a Brandon Belt or a J.D. Martinez, like – the first couple of months, they've got to learn who everyone is, move to a different location. These are all things that sometimes we don't think about. We just think about the performance on the field. But these are human mm. beings and, and having some level of comfort. So Soler would be number one. Coop would be number one, 1B one for me, obviously. Um, but Duvall as well. Duvall fits that, that picture as well, doesn't he? He yeah, knows he the location. He knows most of the guys in the, in the clubhouse. So having that level of comfort for me at this late stage is probably something that I would look to do. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense that the familiarity, I think, makes sense. And listen, Soler was a big part of it last year. And, you know, the Marlins made the postseason. <laughs> Can't get away from that. And it was a big part of that. And was an all-star too. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm with you. The funny thing is, like, just imagine if things go in a certain way where Duval, Soler, and Coop all end up back with the Marlins this offseason. That'd be pretty hilarious. Maybe throw in Lewis Brinson in there as well, just for fun. I mean, flying back over from Japan or wherever he's uh, where he was at the moment. But yeah, I'm with you, mate. I, I, I still, I've always wanted them to re-sign Soler. I found it really frustrating that the qualifying offer situation just didn't make any sense at the time. I've kind of made peace with myself that Soler won't be back because, well, we're not going to go multi-year. But all of a sudden, my hopes are raised that the market's telling me Soler could be gotten for a one-year 15, one-year 12. And it's in the Marlins range, baby. Um, we're going to call it a day there. Thanks to the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, for joining me on Tuesday, the 30th of Jan. Thanks to you guys for joining me as well and making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. I'll be back tomorrow scooping up all of the news, hopefully, that happens overnight. As we look ahead to February, I'm going to look at some more detail and maybe some of the lower tier free agents as well. I've got my eyes on CJ Crone as well. So it's about CJ Crone on the next episode. Plus, maybe some Ahmed Rosario talk. He may not be as good as you think he is. So we'll talk about him as well. Look forward to seeing you soon, guys.